You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with Russell Baxter from NFLSpinZone.com and preview Monday Night Football between the Titans and the Colts. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former Falcons quarterback DJ Shockley. DJ, I work on Sundays, so during our seven-hour show yesterday, we had a great conversation with a man you know well, West Durham, longtime radio voice of the Falcons. He pointed out Atlanta could be 5-0, and but if we're just going week by week, Falcons now have lost back-to-back home games. They squandered a 17-point lead yesterday to a Miami team that's had offensive issues. Is Atlanta dealing with real trouble? You know, I think they have a few issues for sure. Um, they have a couple things going on that they can correct, but uh, like Dan Quinn talked about in his presser, there are things that they can overcome. There are things that are not just, uh, I think, personnel issues. These are things that are mental mistakes that happen throughout a ball game. And to what Wes said, they could easily be 5-0, and and they could easily be, you know, 1-4 as well. And I think when you play in this league long enough and you know what's going on and where the Falcons are right now at 3-2, and two, it's kind of shook out both ways for them. They had some things go their way, and this week things did not go their way. So uh, this is a team that on defense has missed tackles. Uh, they've been on the field for a while. They couldn't get – uh, Miami Dolphins offense off the field who have been struggling uh, mightily throughout the first part of this season. And offensively, in the second half, uh, you go back to the third quarter, they had the ball for six plays. I mean, it's tough to win ball games when you don't have opportunities to do it. And, uh, but the last two games at home, your offense has been on the field and had a chance to win the ball game, and you weren't able to do it. So it, there's definitely some things going on, and obviously the turnover at the end of the game was something that, uh, they definitely didn't want. So uh, there's things that they can work on, but I don't think they're major things that's really going to hamper them uh, going forward unless they fix them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the reason why you you don't have those issues is because you fix them. But I wonder, I wonder if they can because the problem I've had with this Falcons team, and, and every time you come on, I, I ask the question of this team not being able to finish. If you go back to the Super right. Bowl in this last one against the New England Patriots, in the second half, they only rushed the ball nine times. In this game against the Miami Dolphins, they rushed the ball seven times, only got 18 yards in the second half. That's the problem. I mean, and, and, and this is an offense that loves to throw the football. It seems as if if they get behind or there's a moment where there's a, a moment of panic, they will not run the football. And if that's the case, do you think this team can actually win with not being able to control the clock in the second half? Well, that's the tough part about it. And I think they need to run the football to be good on offense. And, that's what this offense is made of. Yeah, it looks like they have all these weapons on the outside. You talk about Julio, Sanu, who's been out, but you still got all these weapons on the outside to throw the football to. But that all predicated on you being able to have a play action, to be able to run the football, to, to have guys come in the box and have eight guys in the box and get those one-on-one matchups to throw it down the field to have the big plays. Uh, another big concern is we're five games in and Julio Jones doesn't have a touchdown yet. I mean, there's, it's kind of – baffling to hear that Julio Jones hasn't had a chance to get in the end zone, but it all goes back to that run game, and you got to give the Dolphins credit. I mean, their front is really, really tough. Uh, Dominic Sue and uh, Cameron Wake, I mean, they get after you up front, and it was tough sledding for a while, and there were a couple times throughout the ball game where they wanted to run the ball on first down, 
and they ran the ball on first down, and a, I, I, I tell you, four, five, six times, they may have got one yard or negative yardage on first down. So you're working behind the chains already in second and third down, and they had at least seven plays in the ballgame where on third down they were eight or more yards, and they ended up being one of six in the game on third down uh, along yardage. So it's hard to win games that way. And like you said, it's a direct result of them not being able to run the football. And if they're not able to run the football, uh, this team is is going to be in the same position it's in right now, and it's going to be tough to win ballgames. Next up, a trip to Gillette Stadium Sunday night football rematch of the Super Bowl on the road in New England. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, we were just talking about Aaron Rodgers going down with his broken collarbone. Do you think he took the rest of the Packers' season with them? I think Green Bay is done and dusted. Yeah, I mean, their defense has been average so far. Uh, nobody's really afraid of uh, Green Bay's defense. And offensively, it all it, it hinges on Aaron Rodgers being able to make those throws, being able to throw it in the windows that are, most people will see are not there, and other quarterbacks will move on to their next progression. But he's a guy that gets them going. I mean, he's a guy that you, you've seen over the years that always sparks them and finds a way to – you get, regardless of the cast of characters who are on the outside catching for him, uh, they make plays for him, and he's just that difference maker. And when you talk about quarterbacks, it's all about making the guys around you better, and Aaron Rodgers does that. And without him, this is just another average team in the NFC uh, with, with the Green Bay Packers. And not having Aaron Rodgers is a huge, huge problem for the Green Bay Packers. I don't see how they overcome it or even make the playoffs uh, without him uh, being at the helm of their team. Mitchell Trubisky had a chance to go on the road against the Baltimore Ravens and, and grab a victory. Uh, just snatched it from him, to say the least, uh, when it came down to how physical this team was. Um, they were up 10-3 to going into half, and, of course, you saw it come down to a 27-24 game. But, you know, when you look at players on this offense, like the Jordan Howards of the world, who, who had one of the bigger runs in this game when it comes down to it, I think they were out on a minus-seven-yard line, and he took it all the way yeah. back to the other end uh, to score a touchdown. Is this the way we plan on seeing Chicago play uh, when it comes down to having Mitchell Trubisky in the mix? Yeah, absolutely. You always got to protect your young guys. You always got to protect your young QBs. I know it doesn't look the same way you look over at Houston and, you know, Deshaun is throwing it around 30 times a game. But uh, in that type of offense where you need to have a good run game, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, you can control a lot of the situation of the game with having a good run game. Jordan Howe is a, a very good back. He runs hard, uh, catches out the backfield. You you add Tariq Cohen to all that. I mean, and they have a bunch of guys who can get the job done. And having a guy at the helm who can uh, kind of control the ship and manage it for one point, uh, I think is important. And having that run game is real big. And once they get into the latter part of the season, when it starts to get cold and you, you're not sure if, uh, Mitchell Grabinski can handle that cold, or if he can throw it in the same uh, cold weather that he did, you know, like he did in North Carolina or like he did uh, when, when it was hot. It, it'd be interesting to see. But having a run game to fall back on will be big for, uh, especially for the Chicago Bears going for the rest of the season. And Jordan Howell is the guy who can do it for you. As you guys know, Mitchell Trubisky was a Mr. Football in the state of Ohio. He can handle the cold climate. But, fellas, let's not put him in the Hall of Fame. He completed eight passes yesterday. So, DJ, you know the good cop, bad cop act on this show, and I'll revel in the negativity. Is Joe Flacco over? Is the Joe Flacco that was a Super Bowl champion gone and never coming back because he looks like a shadow of himself? 
Yeah, you know what? It's it's kind of it's one of those things where you don't want to count a guy out because I just saw just last week everybody was saying, uh, "Is it over for Ben Roethlisberger? Is he done? Is he a have been? All that kind of stuff." And then he comes back this week and he, you know he lights up the you know the five and zero Chiefs or whatever it is. And he, he Flacco, I think, is a different player than Roethlisberger, obviously. But he just has not looked the same. He has not looked like the same guy who went to the Super Bowl a few years back. He doesn't demand that type of, uh, I don't think, respect anymore as far as one of those elite guys around the league right now. And he's struggling. It'll be interesting to see if he's done. But uh, right now, I would not bet anything on Joe Flacco and, and the Ravens right now with how they're playing. If I had to ask you a question of who's the best team in the NFC, and I gave you, let's just say, three teams – and I don't put the Atlanta Falcons in those top three, what would you say? Well, I, I think obviously Philly is at the top of that rank. Um, you, you, you look around and – Keep going. Maybe, <laughs> Who do you believe in in the NFC? <laughs> uh, There's some really good teams right now. I mean, you look at Carolina and how physical they're playing right now. You've got the Los Angeles Rams who can score against anybody whenever they choose to. You just got – uh, Adrian Peterson, who just ended up going in Arizona Cardinals, you saw the balance they had on offense. But the thing I think that's the difference between those teams I've just mentioned, and I, I, did I mention Minnesota and Detroit? I mean, unfortunately for Detroit. But I Minnesota, is they finished. Minnesota winning when they got, they got two quarterbacks, neither one of them got any knees. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, how they continue to win is crazy. So Minnesota is a, a team you can look at, but I wouldn't count Minnesota down the road. But I think you make a good point with Arizona now adding AP that helped Carson Palmer. Um, but Philly took care of Carolina pretty mightily. It's it's still a toss over the NFC each week, I think, on Sheering sound across the NFL. That's why professional football is the best. DJ, great information as always. Just want to alert you. It's Cordell's birthday today. So if you're in the club tonight, watch out. Stu could be on the loose. It's going to be raining a little bit. Could be drizzling, yeah. Dude, it's not a cold. And there's not a cloud in the sky right now either, by the way, for it to drizzle. Before I go, you consider us friends, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so I'm wondering, we've been talking for almost a year now, and I look up and you don't even follow your boy on 20. I don't understand. I got to work on that. I got to work on that. Cordell, no, 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 what's up with that, man? You know the problem hey, that's is, Brian DJ, Weber. That's Weber with two Bs. I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. It, it's that seven-hour show on Sunday I do with no commercials. <laughs> it throws me for the hey. rest of the week. That'll hey, be hey. rectified right now. And as we wrap it up, we know Atlanta's a magic city, if you know what I mean. Hey, and by oh, the way, DJ. I like that, B-Way. Thank you. DJ, I'm not as suburban as I sound, DJ. And DJ, he calls you his friend, too, huh? He friend of the program friend, right? and now going to be followed on Twitter. Done and I done. To, I expect to see you with Cordell in the magic part of the city tonight. <laughs> it's always magical. Thank you, DJ. We'll chat with you soon. All right, fellas. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake at the block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top stories with Russell Baxter from NFLSpinZone.com. Russ, as always, we appreciate the time. So you know history and you're aware that Matt Flynn held the Packers together the last time Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. Do you think Brett Hundley can do something similar? I have major doubts this year. The situation is a little different. Um, because you will recall Matt Flynn. Um, I want to say Seneca Wallace was also in that mix as well. Um, they went through several quarterbacks while Brett was out for those seven. Now, you will also recall that Brett, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers came back for the final game at Chicago. Right. And late in the game, you know, rolled to his right, found Randall Cobb wide open, and they clinched the division. So we, we, we don't know. They, the Packers announced today that he's going to have surgery on the collarbone. So we don't know if he's necessarily going to be out the duration of the season. They've been very hesitant to announce that yet. So, I mean, can they hold on for a couple of months um, and, and, and see what happens? Uh, you know, I'm, I've learned to never say never in this league, okay? And uh, if, if you don't believe in never say never, just explain the first six weeks of this incredibly wild NFL season. Russ, you mentioned never say never. Some said that Adrian Peterson would never have an opportunity uh, to play good football again. They thought everyone thought he was done. This Adrian Peterson effect there in Arizona, how long do you think this type of football lasts? Well, I mean, <laughs> as you know, Cordell, he's got fresh legs this year. Um, right. He, he didn't. He barely played last year, and the Saints didn't really use him this year. So he comes in here uh, with fresh legs. Is he going to be able to do what he did yesterday, every week? You know, I don't think so. I mean, and, and, and Arizona's been banged up on the offensive line. I mean, Arizona came into that game yesterday, dead last in the league in rushing. I think he'll run adrenaline for a little time. And listen, he's a competitive guy, to say the least. So, you know, if they're willing to give him the rock, and give it to him a lot, um, you know, that's the thing. You know, New Orleans is a team that's kind of used to backfield by committee, even though Mark Ingram's run for 1,000 yards on occasion, okay? But Arizona might be willing to give him the ball as a plow horse for 15, 17, 20 carries. And as you well know, you know, he's a physical running back who very, very well could wear down an opposing defense even in the latter years of his career here. Russell Baxter, NFLSpinZone.com, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Russ, I'm sure you were tweeting at Mercury Morris. Enjoyed the champagne yesterday. The Dolphins can celebrate. No one's going undefeated. Did Pittsburgh's win on the road in Kansas City tell you more about the Chiefs or the Steelers? Well, it tells me that the Chiefs continue, the Pittsburgh Steelers continue to have the Kansas City Chiefs number. Um, you go back to the beginning of last year, Brian, uh, including the playoffs, which we, you know, they lost to the Steelers. Kansas City is 17 and six. Three of the six losses are to the Pittsburgh Steelers in all different ways. They got blown out on a Sunday night at home. Uh, yes, last year in the playoffs, Pittsburgh couldn't even score a touchdown and still beat them. And then this game here, um, this year, I mean, Le'Veon Bell, but the common link in all three of those games. Le'Veon Bell putting up enormous, I want to say like a buck forty, a buck seventy, and a buck seventy and change against this Kansas. This is a Kansas City defense that relies on takeaways. And if you take care of the football against them, 
um, you're going to be able to beat them. What, what, what will be interesting now is we talk about Pittsburgh having Kansas City's number. Kansas City is at Oakland's number. And on Thursday night, the Chiefs go to Oakland, and they've beaten the Raiders five in a row. And the, right now the silver and black looks like uh, the silver and bleak. Mm. And how about the Minnesota Vikings? This was the team that I actually picked to win this division, and this was even when Aaron Rodgers was healthy. Uh, what you see them doing on defense, I think we've seen them do it for the last couple of years outside of after the first five games and North Turner leaving, Coach Zimmer and his eye issues, having to go to the hospital, kind of threw them off just a little bit. Uh, but what you see with Case Keenum even, um, do you believe in what they're doing uh, that basically looks as if it's truly going to give them an opportunity to beat a better team in the NFC North? Well, what they they did and what they've been able to do um, is revamp that offensive line. And they were a little banged up on there yesterday, but still, you know, they brought in, uh, you know, what, Mike, Mike Remmers and Riley Reef as new tackles. Um, you know, Jarek McKinnon was always a, a productive back. It's a shame that they lost – uh, the rookie Dalvin Cook. They still have Latavius Murray, um, and they have received. I mean, what was impressive about what Minnesota did yesterday is less about not having Sam Bradford and more about not having Stephon Diggs. So Case Keenum has been the better quarterback when he's played so far this year. And Minnesota's defense, which last year eventually wore down um, because of the lack of offensive support. Remember, they were very easy to run on during that you know three and eight stretch after the five and zero start. They look like they're kind of up to snuff again when it comes to that defensive line, you know. And they're loaded at defensive end: Daniel Hunter, Brian Robeson, Everson Griffin. I mean, this is a team that's loaded. And not surprisingly, Mike Zimmer, you know, in his days with Cincinnati, in his days with Dallas, and his days with everybody, he's always had deep defensive lines. Russ, difficult to get a handle on the NFC South. Saints, though, a couple weeks ago, prior to the bye, coming up with their first shutout since 2012 when they blanked Miami. They scored 52 points against the Lions yesterday. I know Matthew Stafford was banged up and Golden Tate got injured as well. But overall, how much could you be buying New Orleans as a playoff team? Well, you know, when New Orleans won the Super Bowl back in 2009, okay, their defense wasn't great. But what they did was, in 16 regular season games, Brian, they had 39 takeaways. They followed that up with eight more takeaways in three playoff games. And yesterday you saw, I mean, Matthew Stafford turned over the ball five times, and New Orleans scored on three of those turnovers. Um, Of course, I'm still a little skeptical (laughs) about the defense. i got to be honest. At one time yesterday, they were up 45-10. And the Lions uh, kind of creep back into the game, to say the least. So um, at least they're getting to play. The problem with them the last couple of years is uh, they couldn't stop anyone and they weren't getting the takeaways. You know, and I don't know how the, flip, the switch flipped after the 0-2 start. Um, but, you know, this is a division where everybody kind of plays. There's no defensive standout in this division. But yet, when you look at the quarterbacks, probably from top to bottom, meaning all four, the NFC South's pretty loaded. And, and let's not forget, this is the division has sent the last two teams to the Super Bowl for the NFC. Speaking of NFC, let's go to NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz and this team, LeGarrette Blunt, Alshon Jeffries, uh, Torrey Smith. Um, I mean, 
what more can you say about what they're capable? Carson Wentz has been solid. Team right now five and one. There were some conversations about Coach Schwartz undermining Doug Peterson, but yet he gets a phenomenal win with the Philadelphia Eagles having a chance to to beat a Carolina Panthers team in Carolina who we thought has finally made it because their quarterback and, and Cam Newton put up 300 yards passing in two weeks. How good is Philadelphia? Some of the names you didn't mention, my friend, are Jason Peters and Lane Johnson, uh, who didn't play Thursday, and believe me, Carolina did their best to take advantage of that. Uh, getting Timmy Jernick and Cordell from the, from the Baltimore Ravens in a trade, I, I still don't understand why Baltimore made that move, but Philadelphia, I don't blame them. You pair him inside with Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox mixed a little time, but Timmy Jernigan was able to move up for that. They drafted Derek Barnett in the first round. They brought over Chris Long for a little veteran leadership. You know, it, it, I don't know what happened between Schwartz and Peterson. I know this is a team playing with a lot of confidence right now. And last year they were 3-0, and and everything kind of fell apart. But they also showed flashes last year. They were the first team to beat Minnesota last year. They beat Atlanta last year, the Super Bowl-bound Falcons. What impresses me about Philadelphia right now, besides the trenches, this was a team last year that won in Chicago in Week 2 and then proceeded to drop its last seven road games. They're 3-1 and one on the road this year already. Russ, great information as always. As we say goodbye, always looking for a pop culture connection with you. So I take notes. You did go with... Never say never. Cordell is a believer. We could talk about Justin Bieber. Of course, I'm going to think about Sean Cummery and the comeback vehicle. Never say never. Give me your power rankings of James Bonds on the fly. Got to be Conry one. Who's in your two hole? Oh, Roger Moore for sure. Okay, let's keep going. I'm going Pierce Brosnan at number three. You with me? I, I like yeah. I like I like Pierce Brosnan in just about everything he's done. I mean. Listen, he should have gotten an Oscar for Dante's uh, peak. So Very very well done, although I'm more of a volcano guy when they went back and forth with those movies. Daniel Craig, I guess, four, but I don't love a blonde Bond. I don't like a blonde Bond. No, 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 no. no. I was, I mean, by the way, talk about pop culture references. Do you remember the night at the Oscars that Michael Caine was there and both Roger Moore and Sean Connery and the three of them? Just a, an Oscar? a night for the ages. Now I'm going to take you off the board. David Niven in Casino Royale. And say goodbye to that one. Oh, I love, yeah. David Niven, though, at the podium when the streaker came out during the Oscars in the, in the early 70s. Russ, nobody wants to talk about your shortcomings. Enjoy the rest of your <laughs> yes. evening, and we'll chat with you soon on the NFL on TuneIn. Try the deal. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls for more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for my partner to let loose as we find out who he wants to metaphorically slash. 
Cordell Stewart earned the nickname of Slash for his sensational versatility on the field, playing quarterback and wide receiver at a very high level. But that moniker also brings another dimension, a competitive edge that won't settle for losing. So if your favorite team is underachieving, Cordell is ready to present solutions. Buckle up your chin strap because a coaching staff and some key players are about to get slashed. We start in Denver. The football bromide says you win as a team, you lose as a team. But if we're singling somebody out from my perspective, Trevor Simeon had a rough night. We played the pick six, one of two interceptions. He got hurt in the process trying to make the tackle on Janoris Jenkins. Enter Brock Osweiler. I was tweeting last night it was Brocktober in Denver for a cameo. All part of a losing night for Denver post game. Here is their head coach, Vance Joseph. Well, it didn't worry me. You know, I knew it was going to be a tough, a tough out. You know, that defense is a is a really uh, good defense. You know, so that was that was my concern. Obviously, with their injuries coming in offensively, we knew they were going to work 84 and 34 more. You know, and we had a plan to defend 84, but it didn't work. You know, and that's that's on me. Now let's hear from Ben McAdoo. Big Blue picking up their first victory last night. We felt like we had a good plan coming in. Uh, they're, they're a tremendous, uh, tremendous football team in all three phases. We give credit to the players. They came out. They executed the plan at a high level. We knew it wasn't going to be a real pretty football game. But, uh, that's our style, and um, that's how we, we feel like we have to win. Giants made a tactical change last night. Ben McAdoo gave up the play-calling duties to his offensive coordinator, Mike Sullivan. Here's McAdoo on the change. I thought the team needed me. The, the whole locker room needed me this week. Uh, I needed to be uh, at my best for these players and coaches this week. Ben, when did you decide to make the decision on the play calling? It was uh, beginning of the week. Was it your decision? Was it something that other people talked to you talked to you about? Did anybody did you throw by anybody to sort of? It's my decision. McAdoo also post game was talking about the controversy surrounding this team. Dominique Rogers Cromarty still suspended indefinitely. There's a chance he could be reactivated this week. All right, partner, a lot to unpack. Where do you want to start based on what went down last night on Sunday Night Football? Well, I like to slash myself and and many uh, who have bought into even what Vance Joseph just said on the soundbite, which was knowing that there were injuries, uh, but being able to contain the running game just a little bit may have been able to give them an opportunity. He just couldn't do it. Uh, knowing that they didn't have receivers on the, on the field, ones that we could call out by first and last and middle name and number and years of experience on this roster, not able to do that, thinking that that would be a tough uh, situation for them. And also the defense, who we knew was a good defense, but not knowing for sure if they would have to carry the load uh, based on what we've seen so far out of the first few games of the year. So uh, I, I'm one of those guys that can be slashed. But I'll tell you this, Ben McAdoo, wasn't the reason for them winning that football game. Uh, this was all, I think, about Mike Sullivan. Uh, looked like a relationship uh, that I saw in watching the television that, watching television that he and, and Eli may have had at some point in time uh, when being there in the organization. And I thought he called a phenomenal game. Ended up giving Eli Mann an opportunity to be about as efficient as he's been all year. Going 11-19 for 128. I uh, had an opportunity to see Orleans Darkwa be able to put up 21 carries for 117 yards. I just tell you, this overall team, I thought jumping up on this team really quickly uh, by being able to be up 10-0 at one point in time and got to 17-3 at another time before the half, 
Uh, before you know, we saw the ending score of 23 to 10. Uh, it was a feast of famine night. Uh, you saw what Trevor Simeon had to encounter, uh, having to throw the ball 50 times uh, because of this team's inability to be able to produce, especially when it came down to the running game, holding the leading rusher on that team and Jamal Charles to 19 yards over five attempts and making Trevor Simeon look average, to say the least, by hurting his arm and look like jammed his shoulder or whatever uh, to the point where he went out for a second and Brock Osweiler obviously came in. And then Trevor Simeon came back in, but he turned the ball over two times in the air. Uh, and I, I just think this team looked inept, uh, to say the least, and, and it was nothing that they could do good to determine the outcome of this game because I thought all the momentum, all the feeling of playing good football was on the side of the New York football giants. So if there's anyone going to be slashed this week, I would slash myself because I was the first who said that this team, especially on your show last night with you and Nick Ferguson on first and goal, uh, saying basically that this team was going to need the oxygen. Put your seatbelt on, get the oxygen ready, pull it from the top of the rafters in the airplane and get ready to breathe because you're going to need some. Not just figuring literally from the air standpoint as well as how good this team was playing at one point in time in the Denver Broncos. They didn't show up at all. So hats off to this Giants team. Way to rebound and get a good victory on the road against a very good, let's say very good uh, defense and also good team in the Denver Broncos. Well, if we think about what worked for the Giants, how about that defense coming alive? In addition to the pick six put together by Janoris Jenkins, JPP was an impact player. Cordell, here is the chatter in Denver, and you know the Colorado region very well. They are passionate about Bronco football. A lot of pundits saying this team cannot go to the playoffs if Trevor Simeon is the quarterback. So you know that means they're calling on right now? Guess who they're calling for? Go ahead. I want you to say it. Go ahead. It's Brocktober. Well, what about <laughs> Paxton Lynch getting healthier coming hey. back from the shoulder injury? Hey, man. You know, Paxton Lynch, I know they may want to see him come back, and I, you know how I feel about the kid. Uh, it would be great. But if he's not ready, whether he's healthy or not, Brock Osweiler is your next guy up. And and, and if the fans are, 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 are yelling that about Trevor Simeon, you know, like they say sometimes, be careful what you ask for. We've just watched Brock Osweiler over the last year and a half or so uh, play some football in Houston and also when he went out to the Cleveland Browns. And it didn't look that good. But maybe because this is one of the top two or three places in the world that he loves to be in, he may end up feeling himself and feeling rejuvenated just a little bit because he's around familiar faces like the uh, John Elways and the front office and a few other people that are still on that on the, on the, on the team and and coaching staff, if, if there's a few left from last year, the training room. The whole he knows defense, some right? He knows Vaughn Miller. He knows Akeem Talib. He knows all the guys. So if, if the song is being sung uh, that it's time for Trevor Simeon to take a seat and they, he can't get him to the playoffs, um, I wonder if, if, if Vance Joseph, the head coach, is going to feel the peer pressure to give Brock Osweiler a chance. But John always got his hand all in the middle of this. You better believe it from the back end and the decision that needs to be made, especially at that one. I think we'll we'll get some assistance and some help to do the right thing to move forward to make that move to someone like Brock Osweiler, who we've seen as of lately since he's been since he's been gone from the Denver Broncos, struggle to say the least when it came down to him having his chance. So we'll see, but be careful what you ask for. Put it this way: there was a reason why Trevor Simeon, and I know he was dealing with injuries at the end of his run in Northwestern, but he was a seventh round pick for a reason. He is physically limited. Looking ahead. Denver on the road 
taking on the Chargers in L.A. L.A. now has won back-to-back games. Think about all the drama. Monday Night Football. Chargers had a chance to win that game or at the very least force overtime. Youngway Koo, their rookie kicker, had been able to convert the second field goal after he made the first after it was iced. It's going to be a spicy matchup coming up. One of three late games on Sunday. Catch all the action on TuneIn Premium. All right. Sky is falling in Denver. You're in Atlanta. People are losing their minds. Let's take you to the podium. Jay Cutler, of all people, and the anemic Miami offense rallied from 17-0 down on the road to win the game. And I'm sure Cutler was fired up after the victory. Second half, we, we kind of got it going a little bit. Uh, you know, defensively, those guys are playing their tails off. And we, we've got to match their effort and, and their intensity and, and their, their focus. And if we do that as a, as, as a whole team, we're going we're gonna to be pretty hard, hard to beat. Smoking Jay Cutler was on fire, but he got a lot of help from the Falcons. And here is Atlanta head coach Dan Quinn searching for answers postgame. The answer to your question is the consistency and uh, the three things. And we take care of the ball and, and go after it defensively. Uh, and we play really assignment sound. Not only are we fun to watch and we're tough as hell to beat. So uh, until that consistency comes right, where you have mistakes that are costly, uh, we can't be the best version of ourselves. And that's what we've got to get done. And we will. And now the countdown to kickoff for Sunday Night Football already underway. Partner Super Bowl rematch Atlanta on the road in New England. And I'll say it today and then tomorrow and the day after. 28-3 in the third quarter. Back to you. We've had analysis week by week based on our wonderful relationship with DJ Shockley, former Falcon quarterback. And this can be spun any way you want to. I'll go with this tact. They should have lost on the road at Chicago. They should have lost on the road at Detroit. They have lost now, Cordell, back-to-back home games. Yesterday, they squandered a 17-point lead. Matt Ryan had another costly turnover. This team is dealing with real issues, and just like I told you in August, they're not going to the playoffs. Well, I've always said this team cannot finish games. That's been their number one problem, not just this year, not last year, Not even the year before that. It's been many years. The best thing, I think, when Matt Ryan first came here at a time in which right before Mike Malarkey, um, they were running the offense, and and everything just seemed so like it was sputtering as they played. Uh, They would get great leads, but when it came down to the two-minute offense, Matt Ryan was one of the best two-minute offensive quarterbacks in the game. One minute, two minute, put the team in position to either score or kick field goals. He did a phenomenal job. Now it's gotten to the point as of lately, for some reason over the last two to three years maybe, this team starts off 17-0. And what happened in this game? They started off 17-0. And then before you know it, as the game goes on, they're creating what turnovers uh, to their inability to get first downs, not running the football enough, uh, end up getting a, a penalty late in that game against the Dolphins. Uh, by Grady Jarrett. Terrible penalty. He had Terrible no business penalty. taking a shot End at Jake Cutler that after drive the continue. INT. They score. I mean, here is my thing with the Falcons team. When people say that this team is a good football team, that's all they are. It's just good. When you start talking playoffs, you start talking Super Bowl, you start talking winning a, a championship, this team is not ready. I don't care. When, when Vic Beasley – doesn't matter. As much as I respect everything that he's done for this football team, whether it's the, 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 the tackle for losses, whether it's the sacks, whether it's the creation of, 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 of just being disruptive 
in the backfield of a many, many offenses, when I look at this football team, they start off fast, and for some reason, their inability to finish, to complete games, is so annoying to the point where it makes me not want to even think about it. Oh, we have some... I mean, let me put it to you this way. 28-3 was the score last year. The Atlanta Falcons... Well, the Super Bowl, the Atlanta Falcons against uh, the New England Patriots. If it's 28-3, it won't be the Falcons being ahead in this one. It will be the New England Patriots being ahead, and they will finish the game and probably make it even worse than 28-3 if we ever see that score again. Here's my problem. They have to learn again how to finish. Whether it's eating up the clock by running the football, getting first downs by running the football, but you cannot get things done uh, by basically going out here and having games won, you know, time of possession, first downs, all that great stuff, start looking good, start looking somewhat the same. Um, third down conversions, there are six of 11. You had uh, uh, Miami, who was five of 12. Uh, completion percent, you had 24 of 20. I mean, all everything from a statistical category standpoint, he got two sacks for nine yards. They had no sacks with the Miami Dolphins, but when you really look at it all across the board, there was nothing to me that indicated based on how they started the game off for sure, indicated this team should have lost other than they just can't finish. So if you want to play just for a half or or two quarters in a half, this team is the best team in the National Football League, hands down. But to finish in the fourth quarter, can't get it done. So at the end of the day for me, I just will slash the whole entire community of Atlanta. <laughs> I'm not going off the blank because he's done a lot for the community. Dan Quinn, he's coming in his second year, taking his team to a Super Bowl. Matt Ryan, he's playing good football. Julio Jones, he's solid. You have Freeman, he's about as good as it get. The offensive line, everything they have is good. I have to go to the city because I don't know for sure that if, if the liquor they're drinking before they come to the game is strong enough because they need to act buck wild in the stadium the entire time. I saw some clip on television when watching the game. There was two brothers. Looked like it was the daddy and it was the son. Everybody was cheering and they were sitting there like they were losing. It was actually up 17 to nothing. And I'm sitting there looking at this. I'm like, that lethargic look and feeling because... It's, it's, like, it's like teams that never been there before. It's almost like, or, or, or they know what their team is about and they're afraid it's going to happen again. And when it started to happen for this football team, being up, what was the score? 17-0 in the first half. They scored no points in the second, in the third quarter, and no points in the fourth quarter. So when they saw the score get four, when the score, score was 17-7, it was like almost, it was like, oh goodness, here we go. Then it was 17-14. It's like, oh, jeez. And then before you know it, it's like you knew in your heart when watching the game that the Falcons was going to lose. Because when they made mistakes, their eyeballs, Matt Ryan especially, eyeballs got real big on the sideline. He was looking to see what was going on. Go sit down and regroup. Stop looking. It's a, oh. The whole city of Atlanta gets slashed, Brian. How about that? Back to you. It's a big knife. Oh, I said, no, it's, 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 it's sharp. It, it means I can keep on going. It, is, it doesn't get dull no time quick. Metaphorically speaking, Metaphorically. Yeah, I don't Cornell's need a big one. nickname was Slash. And a, a good one. thing back in the day, at least the Braves won one World Series when they went to the postseason for 14 consecutive years. Atlanta's not title town, I'll put it that way. But Georgia football, Cordell. We'll talk about what's going on in Athens at a later date.
All right. You can go there, too, for a half a second. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> go ahead and say it. They're playing very well. Yeah. And maybe, just maybe, they'll wind up in the college football playoff. Since we continue our tour of the factory of sadness around the league, how about the Cleveland Browns? Hmm. While you ponder which direction you want to go, let me take you to Houston. Deshaun Watson making, I thought, the astute fashion choice. He was wearing a Warren Moon throwback jersey after the game as he addressed the media. Uh, It just starts with the preparation. Um, Coming in on Mondays, correct the mistakes from the previous game. And then, uh, you know, coming in on an off day on Tuesday and, and getting on the same play, page of what the um, opposing team is trying to do and what they're, what we think they're going to try to do. And then come in Wednesday and, and Thursday, the big heavy days and, and practice. And like we're, uh, you know, practicing like it's game day. And if we do that and get on the same page and have a great week of preparation, the Sundays, it makes it easier for us to execute. Watson, three more touchdowns, all told now 13 touchdowns produced, factoring what he's done on the ground as well last three games. We're going to break down Houston tomorrow. We do it every Tuesday. Final hour of the show, 625 Eastern time with John Harris, sideline analyst for the Texans Radio Network. Cordell, conversely, I have to put my Stanford loyalty aside. Kevin Ogan, the Stanford product, did not play cerebral football. Three interceptions, he had a pick six becoming the 28th different quarterback for the Browns to start a game dating back to 1999. They went 1-15 last year. They're 0-6 this year. And a reminder, their scouts did not like Carson Wentz, so they traded down two years ago. In the most recent draft, their scouts did not love Deshaun Watson. They traded down. What's going to change in Cleveland? Are we going to be talking about this for the next 10 years? Yeah, at least. That's what we're going to do. I mean, you throw three picks, big six, couple, five, four, whatever. I mean, just turnover after turnover. Now what's next? Then what do you do? You go back to Kaiser? I mean, it's it's gotten to the point where you expect this from the Cleveland Browns. Um, There is no answer for this other than the team is just not good. I think how they're managed, how they're coached, when it comes to schemes, when it comes to execution, and also situational football. It'd be different if you saw a team that was losing and in all the games that they've lost, like the Cleveland Browns, San Francisco 49ers, is when you lose the games, you lose by three points or less. I can accept that from a team that's trying to find their way and being in games and just can't close. You know why? Because maybe they're learning how to win. They're, you have to learn how to win in the National Football League when you're a young football team. That team out there in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, matter of fact, in Santa Clara, that, that, that team is trying to learn the ways of Kyle Shanahan and they're having success going through this process. There's nothing successful taking place. Nothing successful t- taking place there in Cleveland when it comes to what it is that Hugh Jackson is picking up and putting down on the table for these guys to understand they need to do in order to move forward to be successful. Now, I get the process. I get it. I really do. But when it gets to the point where you start making these types of changes, and it's not because of injuries, but it's just changes, and it gets worse, because it's good to see it in a small sample size where you let him fill in for a quarter, you know, or so, and it looks, from an energy standpoint, it looks a little good, looks a little different. But then when you give them a full sample size of it throughout an entire game, you end up seeing it 
the way we saw it for Hogan. And I don't blame neither Deshaun Kaiser nor Hogan because if they're both making the same kinds of mistakes, there's a message that's being lost somewhere in there when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of what this team is trying to do. So when looking at this, you know, um, you you have to ask yourself the question as you move forward because you don't want to be the dead horse. You know, it, it is what it is. But how do you find a way to make it work? Whether it's now, whether it's later, whatever the case may be. The way this team is losing, the way they're going about their business and making the changes, I know it's game five of the season. It's not the halfway point. I know you can say, well, it's still early. But when you continuously lose the way they have, it makes it tough to even cover and watch because you know what the topic of conversation and the narrative is. Team is not good. Who's next? Should I start stretching a little bit as I sit in my high boy chair here at, at my place, talking to you on the air here, looking through Skype, because there may be another quarterback needed there in Cleveland? No, I'm not. You know why? Because I'll get hurt getting off the plane trying to get there to get that job. That's how bad it is in Cleveland right now. I walk down a corridor just to get to the breeze, just to get to the, 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 the gate to get where I'm going, to baggage claim. I won't make it. It's bad in Cleveland right now, bro. That's all I can tell you. It's bad in Cleveland, and they got to figure that one out. Big league. Back to you. But we've been talking about this for, what, 15 years? Yeah, so you know what happens? So you know what happens? You know, like my dad said, you know, when you say it a thousand times, you don't want to get to that thousand and one time because you know what it is. It's almost like you just, it's, 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 while we have to cover it, it's like, do we have high expectations? I don't. I have to be honest, I don't. But at least last year they were in games. Remember, we could make yeah. the justification, and I know 4-12 and 12 is not much better than 1-15, right, right. but they should have won a handful of games. This year, they're getting crushed. There's no hope. Yeah, there's no playmakers. You know, you had uh, Tara Pryor, who was a playmaker. He was the playmaker on that offense. Uh, you have Hayden, who's gone. That energy, if it's just the energy... It's no longer there. So now who's the leader on this team? Miles Garrett? Is he the one? It's a quarterback, Hogan, Kaiser. How about Hugh Jackson? He has the gift. He can talk. He says a lot. Well, he better keep talking because the easiest thing to do is fire the coach again. Something's got to change. Well, yeah, you got it. You have to. It's, it's, it's almost like you're, that's the, the next resort. Not the last, but the next. Because the last is like we move the team. Because the area is not helping us. I mean, you know, you almost want to blame the city, too, because they're just like, oh, here we go. But that team's been dealing with this for a long time. I mean, the last time was, what, 1960-what? 64? Last championship, and Jim Brown yeah. is not walking through that door, although he could probably no get you three soon. yards if you need him, because we know he's the greatest of all time. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Country Roads, your all-access pass to everything Nashville. Just a lot better music selection. Marin Morris. Kenny Chesney. Florida Georgia Line. Sam Hunt. Hey, we're all Dominion. We're all we written in the sand. Plus news and interviews with your favorite country stars. Thomas Rhett. You're not giving more than you can handle, and so every day just kind of has its own challenges. I'm Kelly Sutton bringing you the hottest new country songs on Country Roads. I'm Luke Bryan cruising the country roads with you on TuneIn. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to go on the record with what we are more than sure is going to happen on Monday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. We enjoy quality music on this program. Normally, we play you NFL films as we pick a game, but Cordell, you thought we forgot. We made it this far. Sources close to me reporting. Happy birthday, Cordell Stewart. Hey, how about that, man? I just turned 25. Thank you, Brian. You're such a great guy, man. You know what? That made my day. You know, that's when you finish the day off right there, buddy. When you get a little... Who's that in the background? Stevie. Well, Stevie for you. Hey! Snappy fingers. Everybody snappy fingers. Come on. Hey. Thank you, man. Pretty good. Thought you guys forgot about the old guy. I knew yet. you thought we forgot. Well, you know, you guys are you're not as slick as I easy. Thank you. I, I, but you got me on this one. Pretty good. All right, pal. That's why nice. we waited until the end of the show because Great we wanted job, to man. dissect the content and also acknowledge your latest birthday. Happy birthday, my friend. You look good for 57. Yeah. We went all across the board with this one from 25 to 57. Pick one. Split the difference, right? We might be close. Yeah, man. Uh, Woke up this morning um, trying to figure it out. I'm like, man, you know, these days are going by pretty fast, dude. You know, you're 45, you got a kid, he's in school, and you're a coach on his team, you're hanging out, and, you know, you start thinking about family. My aunt called me this morning. I kind of played a joke on her. <laughs> she called, and I said, uh, hello, the number you have reached is no longer in service. If you're here to sing a song and sing happy birthday, this is not the right number to call. And she was like, Hello? <laughs> Hey, she started singing to me, so that was that was really good this morning. But thanks, man. Good job by you guys. Good Happy job. birthday, you. my friend. And yes, let's sir. wrap up the show so you can enjoy it. And let me give yep. you some wisdom as someone who's slightly older than you. Hang on to 45 because now moving forward, they're all terrible birthdays. But this is a football show. <laughs> let's hear from Marcus Mariota coming back from the hamstring injury, talking about is there a different vibe when you play under the lights on Monday Night Football? I, I don't change my mentality. You know, obviously it's it's fun to play on prime time. It's fun to do those things. Um, the atmosphere is going to be great, but to get up for the game, I mean, you, you, you take it just as any other game, and, um, you know, you get ready and you prepare and just go out there and play ball. So we've been talking about everything clicking in Houston, but despite the accolades of Deshaun Watson, Texans are just 3-3. Three and three. Titans can get there if they win tonight. I'm picking your Tennessee Titans in Nashville. How do you see the game tonight? Ooh, man, this is going to be a... Yeah, I'm going to Titans. I just said I think it was going to be tough. A lot of drama there. Because, of course, Andrew Luck is not playing. I mean, I saw that on the ticker. Uh, You may have said it, and I was listening to you, but I'm just just having a moment of thinking. He's not playing, so you have to give the home advantage... uh, to the Titans, regardless if Marcus Mariota is playing or not, uh, you still have to because it's defense, and I think this running game should be something that may be a little too much, but after watching football yesterday, buddy, we've seen some things happen that's not the, as of the norm, that was the norm so far just this season alone. And it seems a little different, so 
But I'll still go with the Titans. I'm still rocking and rolling. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.